With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chesley Hour. My name is Meads and I'll be your host for this one. Um, you know, actually, it's been a long time since we've had this guy on the, on the pod. So I want to welcome Mr. Dan Soft. What are you saying, bro? How are you doing? I'm okay. This guy. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, this is a legend of the pod. This is a legend of Touchline, legend of Chessy. So yes, yeah, we had you. I haven't been on the same pod as you in a long time, so it's, it's yeah, good to strategic, kind of get your thoughts. Strategic, strategically, strategically. <laughs> it'll be so good to bad. get your thoughts. Just with this, nah, so not, bad. Not some guy, that guy, not like that guy. Well, <laughs> so like that guy gun. Um, and we're also joined by Mr. Babs. What are you saying, bro? I'm good, man. Good man. Always good to be back. Yeah. Talk about you guys, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Good, good. I mean, it's like with Chelsea, and um, as with Chelsea, there's always a lot to talk about. Always, especially when it comes to the transfer window. And you know, our fans, we love a bit of retail therapy. But I want to start off the pod with um, just a little touch of class and finesse. Um, Chelsea won the West London derby against Fulham. Um, it was a one 0 win. We just about got over the line. 
Um, it, it's one of those frustrating ones for me anyway, where I feel like the team could do way more. But at this point in time in the season, we just need wins. We just need points to climb up that table. And that is exactly what we did. Babs, kind of want to come to you. In terms of the lineup, it's kind of what you see is what you get with Pochettino nowadays. Um, with Rhys James out, we've got um, Malagusta at right back, Lassassi, Thiago Silva, Levi Colwell, Caicedo, Fernandez, Gallagher, Cole Palmer out wide on the right-hand side and Raheem Sterling on the left with Broya up top. Now, Fulham haven't really been in good form, but they're getting quite a lot of plaudits under Marco Silva this season. Um, how are you feeling going into the game, essentially? Because me personally, I, I, I have really minimal confidence when it comes to Chelsea in terms of what Chelsea would turn up under Pochettino. Yeah, it was a bit of an interesting one because going into the game, you know, off the back of that Middlesbrough result, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. Um, if I compared the lineups, I felt the, the lineup against Middlesbrough was a Obviously, with the strikers being out, it was a bit different, obviously, because you had to have Broha arrested. But coming into this game, I, I did think having a striker up top, the battle with their centre-backs would have been very helppful. I know Diop and Adirabayo are quite physical. So having that kind of, you know, that, that physical target man up top, I thought that that could have helped us. In terms of the lineup in detail, I feel like, as you said, we've come to expect what, we, what we're going to get with Poch. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of having Colwell left-back. Um, I've not been the biggest fan of the Sassy, but um, I think he's come in and done a decent enough job. You know, I don't think he's been as bad as most fans have said. Um, in terms of like the, the the critique he's received, I think on the ball he's been quite impressive. I think there's a stat that came out about um, his line-breaking pass, which was shown to be in good light. So I feel like he's done a decent enough job. Even, even though I wouldn't have signed him initially, but in the lineup itself, um, I thought it was interesting looking at on paper because we've kind of come to see this thing whereby we out, out in possession, we kind of play this like 4-1-4-1, where we've got the four at the back, Caicedo in the DM, and then the four, the bank of four in front of him in terms of the Gallagher, Enzo, um, is the two in front, I mean, Palmer and Sterling up wide. They, they seem so far forward, whereby there's such a massive gap that if we do lose the ball, there's going to be a transition threat. And with them, Fulham, and the way they kind of play, and how Williams has been informed, I could see that I thought that would have been a, been a problem. But this game in particular, it did seem as though Enzo was tasked with playing a bit deeper. So that was positive. Um, in terms of like, the wide areas, I thought it was all right. Personally, I would have preferred to see Noni play outright and then Palmer in the 10. Just because I, I, I like, I prefer that attacking impotence that you get from it. Um, but other than that, as you said, this is what we come to expect to Poch line up wise. So you know, you've got to accept it. Um, the only, only other positive, I guess, is the fact that, you know, Petrovic has still kept his place in goal. I know Satch isn't back yet, but um, he's been definitely been a, a positive shining light in the season you know, in terms of that signing because I don't know how much they bought him for, but. I know they got him from, um, I think it was an MLS team in New England. So he's come in and done a, a quite a solid job. So yeah, I think he has been he was another positive in the starting lineup. You know, Petrovic for me fills me with so much confidence. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he's just a really good keeper. Um, initially, I wasn't really too sure on him because to be he was an unknown entity like what's on his list. But um, uh, he, he's he's he done a lot, and one thing about Petrovic, he just gets rid. He bought him for fourteen million pounds for New England Revolution from the MLS, and that looks like a really good bit of business. I mean, fourteen million pounds—you can't, not that you can't go wrong, especially as a twenty-three-year-old. But it, it, it's not—you're not having massive expectations, and I think that's one thing that Chelsea players 
kind of struggle with, regardless of price tag. Um, but when you get towards the more 30, 40 million pounds type of signings, especially at a young age, I think a lot of our fans expect the world from players. And um, you know, Petrovic has come in, slipped in quite nicely. He came in a nice opportunity where Sanchez got injured. And um, yeah, honestly, he's um, yeah, he hasn't looked out of place. He looked at the level. He's made some big saves for us in a couple of games. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 quietly moved by him to be honest, and I'm I'm more than happy to have him as our number one for the rest of the season because Sanchez definitely didn't fill me with much confidence, and Sanchez did cost us quite a few points if I'm if I'm being completely real. Dan, kind of want to get your thoughts on the way we're kind of shaping up. Now we're like in the, the middle end of the season. Um, like I said at the top of the pod, you kind of know what you're getting from Pochettino. And um, me personally, it's, it's not something I particularly like, but in terms of the setup, um, what, what are your thoughts in the way that we set up under Poch? And with the Fulham game, do you, feel, do you think generally the way we're set up doesn't, does or doesn't really help the players to really thrive in some of their roles? Uh, I feel like... The Chelsea experience is very dry in terms of watching Chelsea. I wouldn't say I watch Chelsea, I expect to be entertained bar Cole Palmer. So you're talking about the structure, but I'd say that in the Fulham game, there were individual uh, moments of brilliance and most of them came from Cole Palmer. Just those kind of like rah or like those seat raises. And so he brings that. But just in general, very dry. Now, here's the thing. Because Chelsea have been doing so bad, do you know that Maslow's tri- like triangle of needs? Um, at this point, a result is all like all we can ask for. Do you know what I'm saying? But, like, really and truly, Pochettino's teams, even the Spurs teams, I, I for one, can't remember being impressed by any of these teams. Like, individuals, yes, but Poch's football, No. And so uh, watching the Fulham game for me was intriguing as a Chelsea fan, but entertainment factor in the structure-wise, I, I don't know. Like, I think the interesting thing is we're hearing murmurs about the board not being happy that Levi Colwell plays uh, as a fullback. We are being linked with fullbacks, so we're being linked. Maybe, maybe it's a thing where he wants someone tall, so maybe that's why they're looking for like a a taller fullback that can dribble too. But I thought Levi Cobalt in, in the Fulham game was really good, by the way. I thought it was really good. Um, it, it was definitely one of his better games, definitely. Yeah, I think I think he was really good. Obviously, he's been linked with uh, Liverpool and Brighton, so maybe it's movement because we're linked with a fullback and maybe his place is under contention if we do bring in a starting fullback. And so maybe they've got wind of that and maybe that's why other clubs are sniffing around. But I think that he played well. But just generally, like I like I can hear Babs hinting at it. Just play play Palmer and then bring in Noni because really and truly we have the players to kill teams. Nice. But I get but at the same time, it's it's one of those ones where it's like so many managers have the dilemma in terms of okay, cool, you can play the kind of shiny attacking players, but then you might they might not do the the bread and butter stuff. So there's always a balance in terms of yeah, they might Conor Gallagher might not be flashy, flashy. It might a lot of people might not want him on, but then I think Poch trusts him to do the midfield kind of dirty work. And to be fair, going into Conor Gallagher, I actually think that I, I know that match of the day was giving him too much, but um, I actually think that he had a good game when I watched it back. But just in general, 
um, sometimes, especially when it's colder. So I always give it a blight. This part of the season, when it's colder, it's miserable. I can't lie. I'm not going to judge you too much if the, the football's not amazing. It's really and truly the, the kind of August months. And when we come back to summer, then there's no excuse. But these months are kind of, it's kind of like squeaky bum time anyway. So I'll give him a blight because really and truly, uh, we've won four games in a row at home. And that like from Mourinho, when Mourinho was here and we used to win at home all the time, we took it for granted. Like I used to go to Chelsea at that time and even a draw felt like a loss at that point. And so to win, I think we're won four games a row at home. That's crazy to me because really and truly, Stamford Bridge has been the opposite of a fortress for a long time. So really and truly, I'm not going to complain too much about the style because number one, there's a lot of new players. And so when you're talking about players playing it quick and understand where everyone's going, that's going to come with time if they get time to play together. So that's one of the reasons why I'm not going to be too critical. Another reason is because of the time of year. I just don't think it's, I think this time of year, you just especially, and then the third reason is because we're doing so shit anyway, really and truly, I'm just focusing on the result and we got that. That's results-based analysis, yes. But in terms of the structure, I don't necessarily want to see this, like, I don't really want to see this sacrifice of we've got all these flair players on the bench and we're just playing shit football because then why buy them? Why buy them? But yeah, that's my thoughts on it, on it so far. I, I, I struggle to disagree, to be honest. I feel like we've got more than enough quality and I know a lot of our fans and a lot of, you know, pundits and Pochettino himself will, you know, use not necessarily an excuse, but they'll always refer back to, oh, this is a young player, young squad, these players, are, you know, it's a new new team and stuff. But I'm like, okay, well, whilst that is very true, you also need to recognise the quality that these players actually have. So it's not necessarily just all about the fact that they're young. It's the fact that some of these players are actually really, really good, despite their age. I think Cole Palmer could be a prime example of that. He's 21 years of age, but you can't tell me that he's not been one of the best players in the league this season. He definitely has been. So it's not necessarily just about age. It's just about really bravery of the coach and whether or not you really want to utilise these players to, to get the best out of them. And I think, to be honest, Poch utilises our squad like he's driving with a handbrake on and off like consistently. Like, I think he will throw it, if the game's going wrong, towards the end of the game, he'll make these ridiculous wild subs that make us lose all sorts of balance to try and get a win or get a result. And I, I, it baffles me, but I understand as well, he wants to throw the kitchen sink, but sometimes you have to do it with a degree of tact, um, whereas he does it so bizarrely oftentimes. And I just feel like if you were to set us up from the beginning, there's, okay, you know what? We're at home. We're a team that we think are better than you, so let's go for it. Then I think you're probably going to bear better results, and you're probably going to have a far more comfortable um, match than when you know you're playing super conservatively. And it's it, again the way that we kind of play nowadays, as as well as where it's less domination and more like you go, you have a go, we have a go. Because Fulham against us had loads of shots. I don't even remember like the numbers, but they had hella shots, hella so. shots, hella chances. You know what I mean? And I feel I like this it. is a theme with Chelsea. There's a theme with Chelsea. Um, yeah, there's a theme with Chelsea under Pochettino this season. Um, you know, you it, know what? The same, the same applied even last season under Potter. It just feels like we, we, there's no real degree of real dominance um, throughout a game, and it's impossible to have 100% dominance throughout a game. But the, like in terms of just the the 
the the weight of which we allow teams to to come and take shots at us is mad to me. Oh, what I was going to say is that um, I do believe in that thing in terms of a manager's personality can reflect in the squad. And, like, Pochettino is a reserved guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's not, as much as he, a couple of times you've seen him go shout at a ref, I think those are more, like, just, like, little acts. Like, day-to-day you do. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You see him like, uh, a, like a Klopp or a Pep or... Maybe, maybe because I'm not necessarily, I'm not going to the game, so maybe I'm being harsh. But I definitely think, in terms of his personality, he's a bit more reserved. I think that a lot of the times, your personality can, if like, be informed on how your team plays. And I do want a bit more aggression as a Chelsea fan. I liked when Noni came on because, again, he's an aggressive player. So like, we started to he started to do more dribbles. Um, but yeah, like. It's tough because Pochettino, um, yeah, for, for me, we, we'll have to see if he's going to be a top coach that lasts. But if he's winning and if he's winning pragmatically, I think that's another way. Like, I think as much as we want good football, we want attacking football, if he can do it this way, because I remember Conte, when Conte came in, everyone was like, why are you playing Alonso? Why are you playing Moses? Why are you playing a 3-4-3 three, three and stuff like that? But then, as soon as he started winning, people shut up. So, Pochettino can do it his way, but he has to win. I don't think um, long-term this is going to last because the interesting thing is the board, I feel like, seem frustrated because you can see they're trying to get these sexy attacking young players and they're linked with Olisse and linked with this and that, et cetera, et cetera. But then Poch will come and just play chill or left wing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so I know they're going to be frustrated, but yeah, the only way that Poch is going to last, and it's very simple, and what I'm saying is not rocket science, is... Winning football will quiet everybody else. But when you're doing things that people don't agree with, Levi Cowell left back and all these different choices, that's more pressure to win because people are going to be less, they're going to have less patience when you're doing what we consider mad stuff. But every every single manager is going to do a little, something that's a little bit mad. Facts. And again, for me, I have no real qualms of a manager having their quirks. So the Chilwell thing, I said, all right, if this situation situational, and um, you know, in the odd game, then cool. I, I I hear it, but where it's a consistency and it's like done regularly, it bothers me. So the Colwart left back thing blows my mind because he's not the most mobile, he's not the most agile. Um, he's a very much a not lay lay defender, but he's a defender that kind of bides his time into the challenges. And when you're doing one v one duels consistently, sometimes two v one. He's not quite suited to the type of defender he is. So I'm just like, why are you playing him there? Now, obviously, he's young enough to kind of be able to adapt and should adapt, but you're not getting the best out of Colwell. Like, actually, I always say it? that. You're yeah, going. Gallas was criticizing Poch playing Colwell left back, saying, Why are you playing a centre back left back? And I was like, Bro, that's what Mourinho done to you for like a whole season. Do you know what I mean? And it worked out well. 
Um, that so, being so, said, let's not forget, he played as an inverted left back, so slightly different. His his role was slightly different. He wasn't he wasn't top, but he he wasn't but he wasn't tasked with bombing up and down the wing and being that fullback. He wasn't. He his role was very very different. Um, and it, it'd be different if you were asking Gallas to play as a right back, but Gallas never played as a right back. Gallas played as an inverted left back who would come around on the cover um, for John Terry. But you know what? What Poch is, is instructions to Colwell is all like all I'm saying is Gallas was like, right, it's a bit mad you're playing centre back, left back. That's what he like. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm just like, brother, you've done the same thing. And when it comes down to it, it's the same thing. When we won under Mourinho that first season, the fullbacks barely crossed the halfway line. So, like, the quirks, every small manager is going to have their quirks. A lot of these boards hire managers thinking, okay, you can hire the manager, we're going to buy all these players and they're going to set up like this. But then the manager will be like, right, no, I want to do this little quirky thing. And so every single manager has their quirks. I'm just saying with Pochettino, your quirks, you have to win. Because I think there's there's a lot of quirks now. <laughs> so you have to win. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, facts. Facts on facts on facts. And um, I, I could only imagine that Colwell won't be exactly ecstatic to play as a, as a, as a fullback. But ultimately, he, he wants to play. So you, you kind of get that... Um, not that Mason Mount situation where Mount was not really a midfielder. I didn't want to play a midfield, but was, was being played asked to play an attack, and because he's playing football regularly, he's able to score goals. He'll be happy to do it. You know what I mean? It's a little bit different, but these players ultimately, in a selfish way, want to play and not re- really care too much about where. Um, and I think Colwell is always speaking in the sense of, "Well, he's here for now. I'm here. I'm here for now." In terms of left back. Um, he's almost speaking as if like this is just like a, an educational project for him and it's going to end soon, if that makes any sense. So maybe that's something that's going on behind the scenes. It's like, okay, well, I'll play left-back for now, but long-term, I know I want to play play in centre-back. And and also that kind of bodes, bodes kind of strangely because people have been talking about Badia Shield going on loan. You know, there's been murmurs of that in the window about Badia Shield going on loan. And I, that one baffles me. To be honest, that one baffles me. It's all rumors. I, I like just with the rumors thing. I just I'm not going to pay attention until something kind of happens. But it is crazy because as a Chelsea fan, obviously I like, I like transfers, but it's, it feels like for the last four years we've bought fifty centre backs, and I'm like, it's enough. <laughs> it's, an, yeah, it's, it's enough. It's too much, man. It's too much. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think we as a club we do way we do way too much. I think it is so unnecessary as well. It's so, so unnecessary. But that, that that's us, man. But in terms of the game, like you said, Cole Palmer comes up with a penalty. Again, he seems to be so good at those, man. I think it's, again, it's reminds me of like Eden Hazard where when you get a penalty, you know it's like one, it's a goal. Um, I don't want to jinx him too much, but yeah, he's been faultless from the spot. Every penalty he's taken, he scored. Um, but again, like you said, he just seems to be the one that's providing quality Raheem Sterling again, not really too impressed by him. Broja did just a couple quickly, of decent things, but at the moment, just quickly on Cole Palmer, and um, there was a kind there was some sort of pod criticizing him because he was doing his little cold Palmer celebration. You know where he gets the shivers? Oh my god! Because it's a penalty, but really intrigued. Don't forget the reason why we got the penalty 
And for some strange reason, Sterling does seem to get fouled a lot in the box. So that's one of the things he does bring to the team. But yeah. the initial play was Cole Palmer. A little bit of magic for him getting the ball up to Sterling. So, like, he's allowed to celebrate. I'm sorry. He's allowed uh, to do all that type of stuff. Like, really and truly. I, I, think our, I think fans, like, opponent fans, like, they, they all want to find something. They all want to find something to moan. It was about. a Man City fan, so he was hating. Of course, hater is, man. I think they're, they're, yeah, I think ultimately, if you're a City fan, you're going to be somewhat, somewhat sore that he left because he, he's doing so well, to be honest. And you have, to, I'm not going to say you have to hate a bit, but he, he's, he's been amazing. I think Cole Palmer's actually been amazing. And someone that wasn't a big fan of his before he arrived, I could say quite, quite wholeheartedly that he's been a revelation for Chelsea. And this is generally, and genuinely his team and for a 21 year old to have that much of an impact and that much um sway as a player is actually remarkable um so yeah i mean opposing fans could can hate all they want this 21 year old is actually really really good right <laughs> uh, he's so undeniable in terms of his quality um especially if this is his debut season which i find insane you know what i mean uh babs I kind of want to get your opinion on the striking situation because obviously lots of talks about Armando Borja being allowed to leave the club this January. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know what you, your kind of your stance on Borja was um, in terms of stocks, but how do you feel about that that happening? Because you know we've got Jackson, um, he's done okay since he's been. He's not necessarily pulled up any trees, but he's done all right. Um, what? Where do you stand on this Borough situation? Because Chelsea are priced him at fifty to sixty million pounds. Obviously, he's got this new long-term deal that ends in twenty twenty-nine, I believe it is. So I can see why they're pricing him this way. But what are your thoughts? How are your feelings towards Armando and potentially him leaving? It's a cold, cold world, man. It's a cold, cold world. I think he's been done a, a harsh hand by the club um, in terms of coming back, not just in terms of like his timeline, but actually what they put in front of him. So if you look at it, you know, you've signed Jackson as a striker of a similar age. You know, ideally you want a situation where you've got a striker who you're going to rely on to play the majority of games. And then a striker is going to come off the bench occasionally and get a couple of cup games. And for me, I think Broha doesn't fit into either of those. I think for me personally, it would have been perfect to go alone this season just to actually have a season where he can go and play minutes, have no pressure. Because coming back from an injury like that injury he had last season, you know, I mean, coming coming out from the cold in a team that are desperate for goals, desperate, desperate for their striker to perform, I don't think it was the ideal situation. But, I mean, it's like they say, you know, it's, it's the Premier League, it's, it's the top division. You've got to rise to the occasion, but even then still, you know, I can't really hold against him. He's still a young striker. Ideally for me, I'd be happy to sell him. Um, beforehand, I liked the talent. I definitely liked the talent. I thought what he showed at Southampton was, was some good bits. Um, ideally, after that, I definitely would have still learned him again. Just because I feel like that that goal burden that you expect from a striker is, is quite heavy, and you kind of want to have at least a season whereby a player can kind of show that goal hunger and that goal and that goal scoring ability. Um, I think selling him will be a, would be a good idea um, if he can get a, if he can get to a team where he can actually play. I think that'd be perfect for him as well. I think it's kind of kind of a thing like I'm just, just happy that we're not trying to hoard players, you know, in this situation. So I think if they if they're happy to let let him go now, you know, I let Jackson either be the main guy or the backup guy to the main number nine. I think it's a win-win situation. I think it's definitely something they should be doing, personally, anyway. In terms of the price, 50 million, I'm not going to say much because 
as we said before, is you know it's, it's all rumors, and until something happens, you can't really comment on it. But if that's the price they're putting, maybe they've got some sort of like inside information in terms of like what clubs are willing to pay. You know, I'm mm. pretty sure didn't they say something like West Ham were willing to pay up was like thirty odd million straight off the back of the injury. So yeah, if, if a club's willing to play it in January, you know, because as they say, you know, January is a time where prices are inflated, and the teams are desperate, then go for it. But I just hope it's a thing of like he's not he doesn't end up getting pressed out of a move and he does get to get his move because he, he definitely needs to play football, you know, coming off such an injury. And I think yeah. he's, he's where, definitely where, had enough where, to actually play. Yeah. Where, where do you stand on it, Dan? Because um obviously I I, I think we we've had conversations throughout the season. Um and to be honest, I I've I've wanted Chelsea to kind of take their time with Borea. Um and I, I've I've not really wanted the club to to kind of not necessarily forced him back, but obviously injuries, suspensions, um, and a whole other form as well have also played a part in him being used um, quite sufficiently this season. But where do you stand on on this? Because I know you were like, well, I'd rather much rather sell Jackson than Broya, um, which I hear to an extent because I do think Broya is probably a, a, a more seasoned striker and um, has better strikers' instincts than. Um, um, Jackson, so but where do you stand on all this? Because I know yeah. you're you're a big fan of not hoarding talent as well. So talk to me. Yeah, to be fair, like I think in terms of the way that so we've got Brozier and Jackson, and I actually think that the way Poch has handled it is perfect. I don't see a problem in terms of how Jackson and Brozier have played this season because. Uh, Jackson's been the main striker. There's been no doubt about it. I hate it when we have situations where we don't know who the main guy is. Jackson's been the main guy. You have to give the striker. They have to start games. They have to finish games. They have mm-hmm. to have that. And the reason why um, people think that Jackson has done relatively well, in my opinion, I don't think he's done that well. I just think that he's been at Chelsea and he's the first striker we've had since Tammy Abraham where a manager has trusted him and played him week in, week out, started games and ended games, it's, there's a clear kind of separation in terms of who's the starting tri- striker and who is the the backup striker. And I think that, I don't think Brozier should be on loan. I think that, I, I feel like this season, Brozier's got what Brozier should be getting. Off the back of a long-term injury, you don't want to come and frust him. And plus he's young anyway. So I, I like really and truly that like, he's coming, come back from the injury, He's played games, but he hasn't played too much. He's he hasn't um, played more than sixty six minutes in a Premier League game, um, but in the cup games he's played. The Man City game, he came off the bench straight off the injury, won us that penalty that got us the equaliser. I remember the Everton game he started. I think he, and I, I think just generally my perception of striker a striking performance is different from a lot of people's perceptions of what a good striking performance is because what I see where people say oh he struggled for form I disagree I actually think Brozier's been really good this season he just hasn't played that much and I think what people do is then they just look at oh he's 17 appearances two goals and then when you look at the breakdown okay really and truly he hasn't played that much but I don't for me this is perfect he's come back off of a long injury really and truly he's a young striker this that this role is just about basically integrating, but I think the expectations and we always do this. The expectation for that backup striker is so high. Like when you're when you're not starting and finishing games regularly, why are you expecting them to get 
clock up goals. It doesn't make any sense. And the, like again, when he did start the game against Preston, he he scored the goal again. I think people the way they judge football is ridiculous. Like the fact that everything didn't come together straight away in the first half. Oh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Sometimes games are like that. There's going to be games as a striker where do you know what? You might not, and this is the reason why starting and finishing games is important. The whole 89 minutes, you might not be in a game, but when it does come to that clutch time, you have to come through. And what I like about Broja, and this is independent of whether at Chelsea, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is kind of like with Giroud and Aubameyang and other strikers where I appreciate their performances, but other people don't, is he's making those runs. So in the Fulham game, there were chances, in terms of general hold-up play, created by Broja's general hold-up play. He would do, do good hold-up. There was a couple of big chances created by his hold-up play, holding up the ball, kind of keeping the momentum in attack, and then it comes and it creates a chance. He did that a couple of times, but at the same time, he's getting into position. So there was a time where he got into a position and he took the shot, it went over the bar. Now, a lot of people, kind of like Osimhen was play, playing in Nigeria today, um, he got a chance, it went over the bar. People said, oh, should we pay 120 million for that striker? He didn't even bury that. Again, that's just not how I analyse strikers. I like I know that with Chelsea fans, especially when they see, oh, this is a chance to score. If it doesn't go in, then they're going to lambast the striker. But for me, I'm always looking at, okay, are you doing the work to get into the positions to score goals? That's number one. And that work, it might be like you've made a run, but no one's passed you. I see that. And I see, I'm like, okay, cool, you're doing the work. One of the reasons why I didn't like Lukaku, he wasn't doing the work. But when people are saying, oh, seven touches, et cetera, et cetera, for me, that seven touches thing, I don't care about it. But are you doing the work of a striker? Are you doing the hold-up? Are you do- making all the runs, et cetera, et cetera? Because that, like, we need a striker that is going to continue doing that work and not put their head down and not get frustrated and not just start walking around. Because in the 90th minute, that run can come through. And so that's kind of how I judge a striker's performance. And I think Brozier, especially because... Like, Jackson as an all-round player, getting the ball, dribbling, dribbling. That's what people want to see. But as a striker, fuck all that. I'm sorry. That's not what a striker is. You have to be doing all the runs to get into the place to score. And that's what I see from Brojo. That's what I saw from Giroud. That's why even when people were saying, oh, baby, I was playing shit, I'm just like, you're judging him over a sample of two or three games when actually the, the dividends for that work that you do um, during the game, that basically... The the not sh- not shiny work the um what do they call it the the stuff that people don't give you credit for yeah you see that dividends you see that over a season and so like with people saying oh bro he needs to go to someone to play yeah hundred percent but what I'm saying is that the the disease is still in Chelsea minds uh, fans minds so even though Broja's gonna go the next striker that comes it, they're not gonna last either. Because you're not rating the same things and you're, you're going to see a performance and you're going to say it's bad. And that's the reason why people are like, oh, Chelsea 9 curse. There's a Chelsea 9 curse. The disease is here amongst the fan base. Yeah. That's how we judge this. Yeah, I, I mean, so I don't disagree. I don't, I don't disagree. And to be fair, I, I hear you. Um, I feel for me, um, we definitely have an issue in terms of striking support and just not even striking support, player support. Um, so I think, yeah, like you're saying, people are very quick to to kind of dismiss Broya and dismiss... Um, it's like, you know that, that Batshuayi, same thing. Yeah. Like, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 
like with Costa, Costa again, Costa came in, he was uh, Mourinho's main man. He started games, finished games. And like we've seen part of the season that will work. The other part of the season, it doesn't work. Do you know what I'm saying? But one of the good things that I've liked about Poch and how he's played it is that he's done what I've been saying for a long time. Have your main guy and have your backup guy. My my thing with Chelsea fans is, and they did it with Batshuayi with kind of Costa, why are you so harsh on the backup guy? You're saying the form's not yeah. good. They're backup. They're barely not playing. You, the, the person you should really be putting the magnifying glass on is the main guy. As a striker, if you're not like if you're starting games, finishing games, and it's cool when they don't score, then why is the guy coming uh, that hasn't played and then play sixty minutes? Oh, oh, I knew we can't rely on this guy. It's it's fucking weird. Yeah. That is, like I said, it's the backup striker syndrome, especially at Chelsea. It always seems to be the case. Um, I think Borja, for me, he's done okay. I wouldn't say he's done great, but I think he's done okay. I don't think he's um, done anything that warrants to be sold. Um, but ultimately, for his sake, he's been wanting to go for a little while if he's not going to get the opportunities here. So I rate it. I rate it from him. I rate it from the club as well that's being quite clinical in this decision to, to move him on. But then the, the, the situation will persist again with Jackson in the future, where it's like, oh, okay, well, I came in, I did okay, or not necessarily okay, but I did all right. Um, but now, now you guys are fobbing me off, and you kind of want me to go elsewhere. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a problem for now, but I do see it being a problem in the future, simply because that's just the way of Chelsea. You know what I mean? And. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the cyber striker we get in because, like you said, we've been linked with Ossiman. And yeah, I don't know, man. The way our fans act, the way our fans operate, <laughs> it's oh man, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that signing. I like it. I like Ossiman. I like Ossiman. I've been a fan, but I just don't know how that works here. For me, because I for don't me, know if the fans give the level of support that I think it, um, a player and striker would need. But that's just me. For me, it, for me, it depends. I think it's very simple because Ossiman's a big money striker. If mm. Ossiman's someone that works hard, do you know what I'm saying? If the manager mm. is stable, because at Chelsea you can't promise that. It's like with Aubameyang when he came in. He came in under Tuchel. As soon as Tuchel's gone. Aubameyang's career at Chelsea was finished because, you know what I'm saying? So, like, we could, like, his big money. So, the fact that he's a big money striker, already the fans are going to give him a bit more patience than someone that is an academy player or a chief striker. But the main thing, when you talk about Jackson, Jackson's had a platform. So, like, I don't I don't cry for Jackson. Jackson starts games, he finished games, he's the main striker. So, like, I don't think there's anything wrong in terms of analysing Jackson as a striker. And I think if Osimhen was to come under Pochettino, I think he will get the platform that a striker deserves in terms of starting games, finishing games regularly, because he's not someone that does needless rotation. So I think Osimhen, or like as much as I, I've, I criticize fans and stuff like that, if the manager's picking a player week in week out, it happened with Mount. You, like, do you know what I'm saying? Once you get that platform where you're starting week in week out, doesn't matter what the fans are saying. You've got the platform to show your talent, and I think. If he was to come under Poch and Poch was to start and week in, week out, because Osimhen does the hard work, the dirty work, and he's always running, et cetera, et cetera, I think he will score goals and I think he'll be fine. Because my my when people talk about the striker curse at Chelsea, 
I think a lot of the time is we barely have any strikers that last the whole season being the main striker. We saw it with the kind of Havertz role where um, at the start of the season, we'd have, oh, um, I don't know, Werner's the the main striker. But then at the end of the season, Werner gets dropped, Havertz is the main striker under Tuchel. And it's, oh, no, Lukaku's the main striker at the start of the season. Oh, Lukaku falls out and then Havertz is the striker. Oh, Aubameyang's the main striker. I know Aubameyang, do you know what I'm saying? So, like, at Chelsea, we don't have strikers that last the full season as the main striker. Mm. And a lot of the time, it is because of people getting itchy feet. Oh, he hasn't scored for a while, et cetera, et cetera, which you have to be a bit more comfortable with. As long as they're, for me, this is what I'm saying. The way I analyse, as long as they're doing the work of a striker, are you doing the hold-up? Are you doing the runs? Are you, do you know what I'm saying? Are you not just missing easy chances all of the time? But I think Osimhen, because he's big money, he's young, and because of the, basically, him, he always does the hard work of a striker. I think he'll be fine. So would you say that Nicholas Jackson does the work of a striker? No, I think that Jackson, I said this from the beginning, uh, um, it's not about, I think when people look at the overall play and the dribbling, he's got that, et cetera, et cetera. But like, this is my thing. And I said this at, at the beginning of the season, the Jackson thing was so strange. As much as I said, I like how Potchers used Jackson and Brozier, I feel like it was such a strange buy. Because now mm. Potch is coming up, oh, we have to be patient with him. He's young and all that type of stuff. But wh- why would you buy the same profile as Brozier? It just doesn't make any sense. Babs alluded to it earlier. Like, the idea he was like, oh, we was going to rely on Nkunku. Nkunku, who's just come from the Bundesliga, that's already a, a, a question mark because Bundesliga goals doesn't transfer. Uh, Nkunku, who's just come off for a long-term injury, that's another asterisk. Nkunku, who's not even a striker. And that was the person you wanted to rely on the goals. You you had the opportunity. You had a gap. You knew you had Nkunku. You knew you had Rojo. You had the gap to say, okay, let's buy someone that has proven or that has the experience. Forget about proven. Has the experience of carrying the goal burden. Therefore, this goal burden doesn't have to rely on the shoulders of a non-striker who's just come from Bundesliga, who's just come off a long-term injury. And But you go and you buy another player without many, like much experience at all, at 22. So it's just like, I think the Jackson signing, it's not necessarily that he's a bad player. It was just weird to me. It was a, a punt. And I feel like the fact that we're looking at Osimhen is an example of why they're not happy. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but it could have just been that they always intended to sell Brozier. So they just got um, Jackson in for now because they couldn't get a main striker. So this could have always been the plan. And if so, that's fine. But in terms of Jackson, um, I saw his game straight away, and here's the thing. As a Premier League striker, to be someone that likes to come deep and likes to go on the wing and likes to dribble and all that type of stuff and be a top goal scorer, that's tough. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You're talking mm-hmm. about the most elite that does that. Like, so this is what I'm saying. Like, The focus for me straight away when I saw that he's not someone that is just focused on being in the box and scoring goals, um, for me, that was a red flag. That was a, a red flag or just doesn't even have to be just be in the box, but just someone that all they care about is just making space to shoot straight away. That's all. They don't care about no dribbling, dribbling. He used to be, he grew up loving Cristiano Ronaldo. He used to be a winger. And I can see that straight away. Well, everybody was impressed by the running with the ball. I'm just saying, why are we doing this again? Like how many times are we going to look for the profile of 
a striker that, okay, maybe we want to say, oh, they had a good game, but they just didn't score. Really and truly, what we are missing is someone that is just someone that is just a shot copper, someone that just cares about getting goals, ruthless. That's all they care mm. about. So like even Salah, Salah like plays on the wing, but you can see that all he cares about is scoring goals, ruthless. And I, I just didn't see that from Jackson. So I, I always thought that it was a mistake. Um, and I wanted us to buy another striker going into the season because I just wanted someone that was a shot popper. Um, and That's why we were talking about Vlahovic for a very long 100%, time. 100%. And so, and so even now, with the Osimhen jackson thing, if that those are the two, I still think it can work. Jackson, maybe you can mug off Jackson. They're just looking to mug him off and all that type of stuff. But I don't think Jackson would want to be mugged off a little bit like that. I feel like the way that I see him, there's a lot of pride in Jackson. And I feel like he'll mm-hmm. ask soon if Osimhen comes in as well. So I don't even think long-term that's going to work out, personally. That's what I was saying earlier, unless, basically. Unless, like, unless, I'll just, unless they're together. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, man. I think you, I could foresee a potential issue there. Um, because, I, I, yeah, I just think I could see a potential issue there. That's not to say that, like, who cares? But I, I could see a potential issue um, because, I, I, yeah. I think more long-term... Um, in I think there could have been more long term in Broja and Osimen being. You think I, I I I disagree, you know. The reason why I disagree no. with that is because Broja has intimated that he's wanted to go for quite some time. So I I, I don't think yeah, it's he's I don't, seven year contract recently. Yeah, I Broja, know. Broja, but, this is what I'm saying. He's not signing a new seven year contract if he doesn't want to kind of stay at Chelsea. That's a lot of leverage you're giving away. So. Like him going is not him not wanting to be at Chelsea. Like him going is an acknowledgement that do you know what I'm not being prioritized it. So all I'm saying is I think with Osimen and Broja, I could see it working a lot more. Just because number one, um, and listen, that's why I was saying maybe Jackson and Osimen could work if Jackson plays wide as well. But I think Broja can play wide as well. But also um because of being Chelsea Academy because of all of his boys being there and all that type of stuff. And just because I feel like, yeah, especially on the winning team, it just, for me, I can see it working more long-term. I, I feel like with Jackson, I feel like he's got a lot of pride. People calling the new drug boy was like, no, don't call me the new drug boy. I'm Jackson and stuff like that. When he, I, I think when people, when he scored the goals, like, oh, there's all this criticism and these guys don't know what they're talking about. I just listened to Poch. He's got a, he's a guy with a lot of pride, and I don't think he'll stay quite long being like uh, the backup. And I think that they will mug him off as a backup if Osimhen wants to come for big money. Mm, interesting. I'm not sure. What, what what are your thoughts on that, Babs? Because we're we're linked with Gokarias as well, um, who plays Swans and striker. Um, so it's not just Osimhen. We're linked with a couple of other strikers as well. Um, but what are your thoughts on the implications if we sign a um, if we sign a, an Osimhen or Gokarias? Um, I don't know much about the latter. Um, in terms of Osimhen, I guess the benefit is you've got somebody now who's a big money signer, so he knows he's going to play no matter what. I know Jackson's obviously gotten that treatment, but that's obviously been something that's been a problem for Chelsea for a long time. And you also know that can't hear you, Babs. You're you're going really oh. faint. Peter, can you hear me now? Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm not sure about Gakarez, but 
I guess with Oshman, the benefit would definitely be the fact that he's a big money signing. And you know, with big money signers at Chelsea, they're often afforded time. So even if he isn't to start well, you know, fans are still going to be, um, you know, give, they're not going to get on his back as, as much as what you get from like a budget sign, like a, like a Jackson, because you've seen kind of like how fans have turned from preseason versus the main season, you know, like people were big fans of him then, but now, you know, people are, are, are and I get that because you've obviously seen more of the player in like the Premier League, you know, you've seen more than what they can offer, but I guess that kind of thing will be a positive. In terms of the signing itself, I'm, I don't want to be biased and like back because he's Nigerian, you know, I say, oh, you know, I want to calm, you know, me and him, you know, got the same birthday, everything, you know, so that's, that's my guy, but I don't know, man. I don't know. But personally, my, my, my striker signing is still the same as, as before. It would still be Izzat. That would be my ideal striker signing. Um, the Gekko Rez guy, I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything of him, so I'm not going to pretend and try and give some analysis on him, but, but I guess if they are to get a striker, um, I just hope it's someone that, that's an accomplished finisher. And I've seen from Oshiman, you know, I've seen some really nice finishes. What I like from strikers, especially, is a variety of finishes. You know, I like awkward strikers in terms of like the way they strike the ball. So not just guys that are going to strike it from certain positions. They're going to strike them anywhere, whether it be like the edge of the box, the sides, you know, coming off first touch, left foot, right foot, it doesn't matter. They're just going to keep striking, striking, striking. It's like Dan said, you know, the best goal scorers, you know, they're, they're guys that tend to shoot often. And I think that's definitely something that Oshiman has in abundance. So I guess it's definitely a positive. Also, another thing with Oshiman is, We've lacked a striker that's good in the air for quite a while. And if you only have to watch Oshman for one game, just to notice his leap, you know, just to notice how lethal he's in the air. So I guess that's another positive. But um, I guess, you know, it's, it's like all things you know, with, with football. Is the fit correct? That's that's another question. Um, I think this season in particular, I think we've seen a team whereby we're able to create chances for strikers. Again, which is definitely a positive. So if we are to bring Oshman in, I don't think, I don't think he'll struggle for abundance of, of chances. I think similar to what Dan said in terms of what Broha and just like the, the work, um, that's definitely something that Oshman is going to do on and off the ball. So it's definitely going to be a big positive. And because we're the team that's won the ball, you know, most in the attacking third, you know, and we're a team that actually creates quite a few chances in transition, I think that can definitely be a big positive for Oshman. You know, he's definitely something that can, that, can, that can definitely help the team. So if he's to come in, I can definitely see that being a big thing in terms of like our transition um, offense getting even better. So I think it can definitely be a sign that would work. For the quoted price, I'm not against it personally. Um, as you know, when it comes to big money signing, strikers tend to be the guys that you want to spend the money on. So, yeah, um, I guess that, that's my thoughts for, for, for now on Oshman. Ideally, again, I'd go Isaac. I don't know how Newcastle are, but hey, if they yeah, want to get Oshman in, if he's willing to come in. Then yeah, apparently, apparently, if you're looking at Chelsea, um, apparently there's been links to a couple of uh, Newcastle players, but we'll have to wait and see I think it's going to be an interesting one because they, they are under pressure in terms of FFP and they're out of the Champions League I don't know they may be struggling to get in the back in the Champions League this season so I think they might actually have to, to sell and Isaac is one of the players that they're looking at moving on which is mental so if Chelsea can probably capitalise on that then they should don't know how much out costs though it's Newcastle they have no reason to to underprice him so and Isaac would be a madness, um, but I, I, I don't know. It's interesting, right? Because yeah. even on Isaac, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think the the benefit of person Oshman over Isaac for me would be the fact that I think Oshman works would work better with like a second striker in behind, if that makes sense. So I think in Kunku, sorry, um, he would probably eat off of Isaac better off of Oshman, sorry, better than Isaac. So I guess in mm-hmm. terms of squad planning, that may be another positive. 
you know, he's, he's, he's a batting ram. He wins the ball down. You know, he gets his teammates involved in, in that regard. So, I guess that's another positive. That's another um, you know thing in the Oshman side. I can't plan yeah. around until he starts playing. Yeah, no, I hear you, Dad. I I, I agree. I, I was in the same place. Yeah, as you. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I, not that I wasn't against the signing, but I just was. I, I just never like those signings where you sign a player, you know, well in advance. You know, you don't know what's going to happen the season. And lo and behold, he got injured. So I guess it's going to be a, it's going to be you know a tough one with, with that. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not rubbing and Kunku. I'm just saying, like. We shouldn't be panning around any one player because, again, they can get injured and, and you're, you're messed. Do you know what I mean? Um, as much as possible. Obviously, sometimes you're buying a big main striker. So, like, but again, that, that you could do clever stuff in terms of having a young up and coming striker if you can tell the fans not to be so harsh on them because they're not scoring in the, the, the backup. But you can you can do clever things. But uh, one thing I just wanted to add in terms of Brozier is because uh, Bav mentioned having a striker that's doing well uh, aerially. Obviously, he showed in the Preston game and in the Fulham game as well. Um, it didn't go on target, but he is someone, again, that's aerial. And this is not necessarily analysis for Chelsea. I am actually intrigued because I'm gonna. he's going to be someone that I follow if he does leave Chelsea. And I think he could be a proper, proper top striker. And w- the interesting thing is, like, dating back to... We've, I think we've had this a few times. Um, so when Torres came in and Chelsea loaned... Sturridge, it was embarrassing but Torres couldn't hit he couldn't he couldn't even get sniff a chance of scoring and then Sturridge was scoring loads and the interesting thing for me is if Brozier was to go and just start banging which I look I think that he can do um and then Chelsea are still struggling even if we do buy Oshiman and and that's not necessarily on Oshiman it's just like the environment at Chelsea still needs you can buy the strikers but it's the environment Sorted. Agreed, agreed. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, I think the January window is a couple of weeks left, but it's going to definitely be very, very interesting. Um, I do want to talk about the Middlesbrough game just briefly because, boy, Pochettino, the lights are on. The lights are on, basically. If, if man, oh, mate, if he doesn't win, boy, I think he's in big trouble, you know. Because he's already doing a couple of mad things in terms of, you know, um, playing people out of position, um, in terms of us being horrible in the league. Um, so I think if if we don't get to that final, I think he, he might get the chop. Um, and I think he would rightfully be sacked. But what, what are your thoughts on the Middlesbrough game? We've not really lost at home too often this season. So I, I'm guessing there's a fair degree of confidence that we're going to get through. But I, again, just can't really predict what sort of Chelsea turns up. It's 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 that much of a madness of a season for me. Um, yeah. So, you yeah. know the Fulham game? You know the Fulham game? You know Lampard was there? And mm. I, don't know, I don't know why, but Poch also said, I don't know if it was the Middlesbrough game or the Fulham game, but he said something it was that... A, it was the Fulham game. He said after, something happened. Something said, happened. I can't talk about it, but something happened. Yeah, and the reason why I mention that is obviously like it feels like we're in a good position because you know we're climbing up the table. I don't I, I say that not to jinx it because anytime things go good around the corner, there's a slapping. Um, but it's it's very interesting because again, he is on a small contract, he's on a two-year contract. They are gonna mm-hmm. analyze whoever to keep him. But the Lampard thing, Lampard feels like a Grim Reaper. If Lampard's in the stadium, 
Bowley, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's they are very. Pally, pally. They are pally, pally. I can't lie. You know, yeah, pally, pally. but he's he's never around when things are good. He's like the Roman Abramovich of this era. He only flies in when there's something wrong with the manager. But anyway, uh, the Middlesbrough game, like you said, uh, they're not going to take it too much. But there's a bit, uh, there's a w- little weird dynamic because if we continue to rise up the league, they're not going to want to rock the boat because potentially Champions League is still open. I think that's. Like, as much as it feels like a pipe dream, and it could be, because I think we've got Liverpool soon anyway, so as much yeah. as people are doing, they're working now, oh, seven points from this team, eight points, just one loss will take us back down. And you, oh, we're, we're, we're both, this is the Bowley era, this is not the Roman era, so don't do no calculations about us getting anywhere near the top four. But the Middlesbrough game, like you said, that like, it is very, playing Preston and Middlesbrough, and spending all that money and not being clearly the better team is very humbling for all of those people. Do you know that spent all that money? I'm sure like that is very embarrassing for them. And so that's why I definitely think that, yeah, you're you're correct in terms of we can't just win. We have to really put them to the sword, but we, we can do it. It can be like the Preston game where even though we play against them, we don't necessarily look that much better. All it takes is a goal and then the rest it changes of the dynamic. Yeah, it's, it's oh, mate. I, I'm very concerned, but it remains to be seen, isn't it? I, I, I don't know what to say. Predict it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, they've got a one one. They're one nil up, so they're going to protect it with all their lives. Um, they're not going to really be forced to come out and play. So, <laughs> I'm concerned to be honest. Um, but. We'll have to see. I think I'm going to ask for a scoreline prediction from you both. Um, and if this is Broja's final game, um, we have to bid my guy farewell. farewell. Um, because, yeah, like you said, I, I think Broja, for me, I've been a big fan of him since the academy for a very long time. Um, I've always had my stocks, always invested my stocks in Broja. So it will be a shame for him to leave. But like you said, I'll be following him and watching him, his career develop because I think he's that good of a player, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go over 2-0 Chelsea, just marginally scraped through. Um, and I think we're going to get a Cole Palmer goal, because he seems to be the only one scoring at the minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. Dan, what's your prediction? Uh, uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I haven't done that analysis to give a proper one. But I I think that we will go through. Maybe that's just me uh, hoping. <laughs> um, so I'll say I'll say yeah, free 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 nil. Babs, what's your prediction for the game? I'm gonna say nil nil. Nil nil, and that what that Chelsea means? That raw, and you know what that means? Chelsea out. Woo! See it happening, man. Hot days. Hot it's weird because it's been a while since we've had a game where we haven't scored. Well, actually, that's a lie because we did score against Middlesbrough. But I'm talking about in the league and in, in general. Because we, should I think? I think the last one would have been Everton last month. So it's been a while, but I can, there's just something I can see a nil-nil. You know, terrible weather. It's a, it's a midweek game. I don't know. I, I hope it's not. Obviously, um, I won't be watching. I don't know if I'm going to be watching, but boy, let's let's just hope I wake up to a win, man. Oh man, all right, fair enough. Okay, well, I think that that's our lot. 
Um, thank you guys for working with us. We'll be back again next week. It's been Chesley Hour. My name's Meats, and yeah, peace. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.